Good Friday morning, everyone. Welcome to episode 346 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast that is banned by Stern Pinball. First and foremost, you have to go see the Avengers. I'm not going to hype it like I did Willy Wonka. I'm just going to say this. Bring a box of tissues to the movie. If you have any heart, you'll need them. All right, so here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about Deep Root. I want to talk a little bit about internet connectivity. I want to read some of your emails and feedback I got. I want to talk a little bit about this home pin sort of tour that someone posted a link to. Uh, And then I want to let you guys have your Friday back. How does that sound? Welcome to the Pinball Podcast. That jumps right into it. So let's talk first and foremost about an interesting thread on Pinside because as we've been saying, We're at a period now where there's a lull in the news. There's not much going on. So what happens during those periods is we really start to deconstruct the hobby in in interesting ways. And sometimes there's like a thread that is, is, is worth discussing. And I saw one about pinball machines and utilizing three pop bumpers in every game and should every game have three pop bumpers and here's my answer to that no the the fact that so many pinball machines look exactly the same in terms of the primary elements of the game um, does point I think to a lack of creativity and risk taking in pinball but I'm going to play devil's advocate You have to be kind of crazy if you're a boutique pinball company or you're trying to break into the pinball marketplace and then you design a game that breaks the mold of what people expect in a pinball experience. And if we look at Stern's formula, right, the company that sells about 10,000 machines a year, it's pretty rinse and repeat on every game. You know, normally we've got two ramps, three pop bumpers, two slingshots, and two flippers, and then a bunch of targets and switches, right? That's pretty much the formula for most Stern games. And then there's a toy or two that they throw in that hopefully is interactive with the game, or sorry, with the ball, right? So if a company sells 10,000 games a year, and that is the formula by which uh, people who buy pinball machines and people who play pinball machines, if that is the stuff they look for in games, they have, you'd have to be somewhat crazy to sort of blow up that formula and try and do it differently. There's also only so much you can do in a game before you start taking risks and doing things just for the sake of being different. And I think we've seen some games do that. I think some of the early spooky pinball machines, uh, they took design chances that didn't quite work out. And then people didn't like the way the games shot. And I think Chuck probably wishes he maybe had done a little bit more of a traditional fan layout on some of those games. Uh, But then we see a game like TNA. TNA only has one pop bumper, and it's utilized very creatively. It also has a very creative way in which the balls are locked with the drop targets. And I think a lot of the reason why people like TNA is it just feels different. And I've been saying this for a while now, is that when so many games are coming out, and the layouts are all very similar, and the experience and the gameplay is very similar game to game to game, at what point... Do people look at this hobby and say, I'm kind of bored. I've had enough of the same typical layouts. I really want to see something different. And who is going to do something different? You know, there's a reason why Iron Maiden won Game of the Year. It was finally a different layout from Stern Pinball. I still think that game completely lacks toys. I think they should have put more in it because the layout was already there. 
But again, I've always said this, that layout was designed outside of the Stern factory. You know, Keith Elwin made that when he wasn't part of Stern. Would he still make a layout like that if he worked for Stern? We'll see. We'll see when he has his first game as a Stern employee. But there's not a lot of risk-taking. There's not a lot of people that are trying to sort of blow up the formula of what works. And I think that's an interesting debate, is who will try something new and who will succeed at that new venture and that new sort of, you know, sort of like breaking the monotony of design in pinball. And, you know, look, when you see like Willy Wonka, there's nothing like mind-blowingly different about the way the game is laid out. It shoots really well. It feels great to flip. Uh, but again, not not anything we haven't seen before from a design standpoint. All right. So speaking of a design standpoint, I saw a lot of people complaining about the internet and bringing the internet to pinball. And the thread is really interesting. You know, I'm not going to go too much into it. You either are excited by networking games or you think it's stupid. And no one has done it yet. All right, so it's it's also stupid for us to argue like it's a black or white issue. Like, it's going to be terrible. What are you talking about, Canada? And then it's also stupid to say, like, it's going to absolutely change pinball and make it so much better than it, it ever has been before. I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. I think there will be some experimentation with how it could work. Uh, but where I think people are being very close-minded, and I have to say this, I think you're being very close-minded if you don't understand uh, what network play could bring to pinball. And here's the thing, not even network play like competition. I just think if games are networked, you could just think about designing a game from the ground up to be completely different. And the game I think people should hop on is the P3 Multimorphic uh, when Jerry has those games linked up. There's that one game where the, the box, they pop up like green or red and you're playing against the person next to you. It's very simple. It's very easy to understand the competitive nature of that style of game versus game. And it's very fun and very addictive. And it, it, there's nothing else like that uh, in pinball. Uh, I don't know if the execution of that is the best execution. But I just think people are being very close-minded if they think that there's absolutely no benefit to the pinball experience if games are networked. And it is kind of comical that we are in 2019 and no one has really successfully brought any networked play into the world of pinball, all right? Okay, but we'll leave that debate there because I don't want to keep talking about it. it. It's gonna happen as much as some of you think it's stupid. And then I saw one thing, Oryx like, who, you're gonna have to pay for all that connectivity. You're gonna have to pay for all, look, let's all be honest for a minute. You pay $9,000 for a Stern game that cost them $3,000 to make. You pay $7,500 for a $3,000 Stern machine. Until Stern comes out and shows us the actual cost of making their games, I, I tend to go with what Nick Parks told us about the actual cost of their machines. And so if you're going to tell me that Stern can't implement whatever hardware is necessary to network a game, and, and do that within what we're already paying for the games, uh, I, think that we, I think we deserve it. Again, I totally believe that so many of you are getting totally ripped off. I, and again, totally ripped off in terms of what it costs them to make these machines and what you're actually getting in the machine. And I know what their answer is. And we've heard from Zach Sharp. And we know what Stern's, if, it, if it's fun, Canada, if it's fun, how can you put a price tag on that fun? And that's what they want you to think. 
all these years, so many of you have been brainwashed into thinking, well, it's $9,000 out the door. I'm not really going to ask myself if I'm getting that in value in terms of the parts and in terms of like the engineering and in terms of the quality. I'm just going to forget all those things and just ask myself, am I having fun? Well, then I'll pay that much money. And I've said it before, the most fun you can have in a car is a Mazda Miata. But there's a reason a Mazda Miata doesn't cost $100,000. But if I spend $100,000 on a car, I better see where that money went. Stern doesn't want you to think that way. I can already hear my phone vibrating by Ed Robertson being like, you don't get it. Chris, fun is all that matters. I love you, Ed. You're going to come on the show one day or you're just going to have to hear me say stuff like that. All right, so it's coming. The internet is coming and you deserve it for what you spend on these games. Let's talk about Deep Root. Deep Root Pinball, that thread keeps popping up and up and up. Does that mean we're getting close? Robert has surfaced in the thread. He loves to give his one-line comments that get like 15 upvotes. I think what Deep Root is doing, I think why the thread keeps popping up, it just goes to show that people are curious. I think that's all it is. There's a lot of curiosity around this company. Now, if you go to Deep Root's website, I think this is what's going to happen. And, and Deep Root is more than just a pinball company. What Robert is building here is a content company. And by that, I mean they want to make video games. They want to make pinball machines. They want to make other stuff. So they're bringing in artists, they're bringing in animators, they're bringing in engineers, they're bringing in storytellers, they're bringing in people that have various backgrounds in the world of creating entertainment content for you. Uh, the mediums are different, but that is what this company is doing. And they're, you know, and if you look at the art, go to deeprootstudios.com. Look at the art that they have on the site. It's not a lot of it. But it's really beautiful. It's really nice. And if you look at a pinball machine these days, I've always said this. Uh, there is a reason why I feel like pinball has always been looked at the same way for so many decades. Why does pinball machine, why why, why is the art always pretty flat? Why, why does a game not have more depth to it? Why, you know, there's just, I think what Deep Root's going to do is they're going to try and reimagine the game, but they're not going to completely blow up what you love about pinball. But I think they're going uh, to, to, here's what I think they're going to do. I'm just going to say it. I think what they're going to do is they're going to create IPs that they blow out in various forms. What I mean by that is I think Raza is going to be more than just a pinball machine. I think there might be like a a, a, a sort of like a movie to go with it or, or like a cartoon that goes with it. There might be a video game that goes with it. There might, I think they're going to try and blow out these IPs across multiple channels. I don't think it's only going to be a pinball experience. And then it got me thinking about something. And this is a big thing that I think nobody is talking about. There is a huge difference between a pinball machine that is designed for the home and then there's a pinball machine that is designed for location. And that I think that changes everything. And here's the, here's the analogy I want to use. What, why is Grand Theft Auto so popular? Where is Grand Theft Auto played? Could Grand Theft Auto work in an arcade? No. But why does it work in a home? Because you have much more time to get into it, to engage with the story, and you engage with the story and you'll watch cutscenes and opening scenes and you'll you, you'll watch all that and then you play. 
Now, why are you willing to do that? Well, because you're in your home and you're not out in a loud arcade, you're not distracted, you're immersed in the experience. Now, let me run something by you guys. Imagine a deep root pinball machine in which it's designed just for the home and or, or they have a mode that's the home mode of the game. And imagine Raza starts and imagine there is a five minute awesome video the first time you turn the game on, there's an introduction to the world of retro atomic, you know, zombie pinball adventure, and it pulls you in the same way an intro video would pull you into a game like Metal Gear Solid or Grand Theft Auto, and it explains what's going on, and you sort of have this combination of watching the story unfold, and then you take over with the gameplay on the machine, and you almost have like cutscenes in the pinball experience that brings you into the world more and immerses you more. Now, why do we enjoy that in video games and can some of that be transferred over into the pinball experience? Now, I can already hear guys like Rare Hero like 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 punching punching like their 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 podcast screen, you know. Here's the thing. Again, I think people are being a little short-sighted in terms of the different ways in which you can make a pinball experience happen. So that yes, Greg, I wouldn't do that mode if you're playing two, two, two players or three players or four players. I'm talking right to you now, Greg. Uh, but if you own the game as a solo experience, why can't they have like a storyline mode that's meant for one player that that sort of pulls you in more and has much more animations and video going on that connects to the pinball experience? So for example, it could be like, all right, you have this like nice little cut video. It's like zombies have taken over the amusement park. We need your help to clear all the zombies off the roller coaster. And it's like, go. And then then the ball is in play. And then you're in that mode. But you're much more sort of connected to this like ongoing narrative that's taking place through animations on the screen. I don't know. Why can't that happen? I basically, I don't know. No one's ever thought about pinball that way. You know, you play the Black Knight, it's like guitar, like you're just, you're just like, you're just flipping, but there's no, the story doesn't come to life in the Black Knight. There is nowhere in it do you ever feel like you're pulled into the Black Knight world. You know, same, same thing with like a lot of the other games I see out there. You're not really pulled in. They, it's like they're making these games where they have to be like one size fits all. Like one, this one game coded this way, it has to work in the home. It has to work on location. It and and that to me is is I think holding back, holding back, um, pinball a little bit. It, you know, it, it, you have to understand is the games back in the day they were never meant to be in people's homes. So we simply moved games from arcades that were designed for arcades. The approach to pinball was designed for an arcade. We've simply moved those games into our homes, and then what happened? A lot of you understood how boring those games can get because how maybe shallow they are. I can see it. Greg, Greg will be like, but they're still the No, people get bored because, you know, after a while, they were never designed to be owned for years and they were never designed uh, for someone to be able to play them 24 hours a day in their home because they own it. And I think what Deep Root's going to do, I think they're going to make games that are directed at the home buyer. That someone who is going to own this game and has 24 hours a day in which they can stand over it and get immersed in it and they're not impatient and they don't have to put quarters in and, and they're not trying to like, you know, struggle to hear the game in a loud arcade. 
Nobody has ever, think about that, nobody has ever made a pinball game where the primary focus was a home use environment. Never. These games have all still been made to also work well in an arcade or in a, in a bar or, or, at, or to be operated. And because of that, I think most pins in the home haven't really pushed as far as they can in terms of giving you more of the experience like I just described. And the games that do do that, right, the closest ones we've, we've, we've had have been like The Hobbit or Pirates of the Caribbean from Jersey Jack, right, those, those Keith-coded games that are much deeper. And, and again, where do those games shine? They shine in the home. Where do they fail? Those games fail on location because they just don't work. But that's my thing is, is Keith still is making the game where it's trying to work in both locations. And I can't wait till someone makes a game that's just meant for the home. All right? I, I want to know what you guys think about that. Am I crazy? Or is that something that we're going to see in pinball from Deep Root? All right. But go look at the website. Go look at the art. We'll see what happens. On June 30th, Raza, the countdown begins. It's a little over two months. And this company is going to have to show some cards very, very soon. And I can't wait to see what they do. All right. What else is going on in pinball? Oh, if you have a Munsters, just be careful when you're flipping. I heard the uh, if your flipper power is really strong, you might dent that little cliffy that's by or that protector that's by the grandpa scoop. So just so you know, just be careful. I have been reading that some people's uh, scoop things, their, their protectors have been bending, which has caused rejections from the grandpa scoop. That's how little news we freaking have in this hobby right now. I'm talking to you about grandpa's scoop in the Munsters. Look, I can't manufacture the news. Uh, let's read some of your feedback that I've received. I'm going to go to my Facebook page, which is, you know, you really can't you really can't spend your time in any richer way than just hanging out on Canada's Pinball Podcast on Facebook. I got an email from Timothy Butler, and he said, Love your podcast so much. These guys need to get off Stern's Hall. It's not 2011 anymore, and we now have the expensive, big, heavy, well-built labors of love that made us fall in love with pinball in the first place. What made you fall in love with pinball? Pin stadiums? Nope. They were dim in a loud, dark arcade. They were mysterious. We had to examine each game to find out what we were going to explore. Each time was a genuine, positive experience. Brightly colored, cut, cheaply made plastics? Nope. T2 skulls, wire forms, a ball-eating dinosaur, features made with consistent level of quality with with the rest of the world under glass. Uh, crinkle black rails and stickers nope heavy intimidating appliances that got our quarters stuck in the stainless steel trim they were let's see they were seamless they were pinball chicago gaming company american spooky jjp realized this pinsiders can like their stern games but they aren't pinball sell that batman 66 walk by something that you say this is pinball it's what made us uh, have a special experience and it's back all right so that was from timothy butler now timothy look stern is pinball you can't you can't get that extreme my friend you can't say that stern is like crap is junk is this that batman 66 is a phenomenal game it's a phenomenal game. Do I wish it had more in it? Absolutely. 
Do I wish it was connected to the Batman 66 world a little bit more? Like, why is there a crane in there? Absolutely. But, but it's really, really fun. There, there's no way around it. Uh, th this game has a lot going on. It's easy to explain. And we all know Lyman Sheets' code is amazing. So I don't think you can say, like, Stern doesn't get it and everyone else gets it. Because Stern sells 10,000 games a year and everyone else has struggled to sell even just... 500 to 1,000 games a year. And I don't think the pinball buying public is that dumb where they would go in on Stern's if they were that bad. Now, I, I do agree that when you put Stern games next to games from Bally Williams era, they look laughably barren and laughably engineered and they feel much cheaper. So what are you going to do about it? That's my whole thing is what are you going to do about it? You can either buy a Stern or not buy a Stern. And nobody makes you buy a Stern pinball machine. So why did those 10,000 people plus a year decide on Stern? Because Stern does give you the best themes. They give you the best artwork. They give you the most approachable and accessible pinball experiences. There's no doubt about it. When I go to Sunshine, it always reminds me of why... Uh, I wish Stern's were better, but it also reminds me of why Stern is so successful. And anyone should, who wants to understand what I'm about to say, just go to Sunshine. You can play all the Bally Williams games from back in the day, and you'll be mesmerized by all the stuff in the game. You can play the Jersey Jack games that are there. Uh, but then you can just jump on Black Knight, and you can jump on you know, like Iron Maiden and Iron Man. And you can jump into a Stern, and I guarantee you, on the Stern machine... You'll probably start a multi-ball without even realizing how you did it. And you'll probably feel like you're getting somewhere in the game. And you'll probably have more immediate fun because stuff is happening very quickly in the game. Whereas in other games, it's like no matter what you do, you don't really know what you're doing. And there might be too much in it. Now, the Bally Williams games definitely have that too. That is the other thing about Bally Williams games is... You know, I think Stern replicates what Bally Williams did from a gameplay experience. And what I mean by that is in most of those 90s games, it's pretty clear what to shoot at and you're probably going to start a multi-ball pretty quickly. And the casual gamer will experience that within a first few flips. And, and that is a key to pinball. And I think Stern does get that right. Now, of course, I do wish they had more in their games like Bally Williams, okay? All right, let's read another note that I got from Canada's Pinball Podcast. I got a note. Let's see. All right, this is from Brian Millard. Brian said, Pinside Babies episode for the win. I've played the game. Sure, I can see things that could be different, but it's fun. It's pinball. Can't wait to see Wonka grow and evolve. Good times in this crazy-ass hobby. Well, thank you, Brian, for the note. Yeah, Wonka is fun. I think people are going to realize that. I have to say this. I have to say this. They revealed the game too early. There's no way around it. Why, why'd they show it when they did? What was the point? When's the game on the line? I mean, it, it's the same thing over again. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, I told this to Jack. I, I don't understand why they did it when they did it. Uh, when games are not on the line, what is the point of getting people to put refundable deposits down? Absolutely nothing. If the CE deposits were non-refundable, that might be a different story, but there's no fear of missing out. You're not going to even have CEs on the line for four or five months, probably. Uh, so I just don't get it. I don't get it. You know, the investor who got up there during the stream, he was the guy who was holding his phone and reading from his phone. These gentlemen, they need to understand the realities of the business they're in. 
And Jack knows it, they know it, but they fall into the same traps time and time again. And I can't help but think that every week that goes by, and you can see it already, every week that goes by, the Wonka hype continues to go down and down and down. And to get it back up, they're going to need to do one thing. And I told this to Jack, don't stream it. I don't want to see how the sausage is made every week. Don't make me feel like I've already owned this game for six months. I don't think they should show anything else on Willy Wonka until it's done, until it's actually shipping. And then even then, I wouldn't even stream it. I would let the first people that unbox it feel the experience of all the new stuff in the game. I think people have seen enough to know they will want one of these games. Uh, but I, I, I'm worried. I'm worried that they're going to do the same thing. And the pinball streaming community, I, I wonder how they're taking to some of the feedback recently uh, where there are more and more people saying, you know what, like, don't overstream a game. And, you know, when a game's out, that's great. You know, I think it's great when a game is out like the Munsters or this or that, and the game is pretty much done like Batman and stream the game. And, you know, then then you're like, you're not really spoiling the game. Game's been out for a while. You're giving people strategy. You're giving them like different tips on how to play the game. I think that's great. But when I think when we overstream a new game that's not out yet, it's like spoiling the movie for people. And there's, I think there's more and more of people that just, you know, are saying we don't need it. But here's the other thing. Nobody makes you tune in to a stream. So if they're doing it, just don't watch. It's like the Avengers. I, I, I did everything I could not to read any spoilers, not to watch any trailers. I just went in and was blown away. And that's what I want from any entertainment experience that I'm seeing for the first time. I think you should do the same thing with pinball. Just don't even bother. Like, what is the point of jumping on these streams? You're almost like ruining it for yourself. But they're not making you do it. Ultimately, you can decide just to tune it all out. I'm always amazed too. If you just don't go on Pinside, it's amazing. If you just don't go on Pinside, you just won't encounter any spoilers within pinball. You won't hear anything. Your expectations won't go up or down. You actually can just immediately shut off all pinball conversation if you just don't go on Pinside. And then if you don't engage with your friends on Facebook about pinball, it's so easy to sort of take a break from pinball. And everybody needs it every once in a while. Just take a break. I mean, the reality is we're not going to get Willy Wonka for like 60 days at the earliest, at the earliest. So you have two months. And if you're excited about Wonka, yeah, you could keep watching the streams over and over again, but you're going to bore yourself out. And so, again, I think it was a mistake to launch it when they did. I'm still super excited. I'm still in on my game. People keep texting me, well, are you, when is Canada going to bail on his Willy Wonka? I told you there will be a Willy Wonka's collector's edition in my apartment. I think the only thing, I can say this, the only thing I've already, the only thing is like, will Deep Root show something that just is like, wow, we'll see. I can't wait. It's exciting. It's my, look, it's my money. And look, if I disappoint some of you and some of you and change my mind, I don't really care because here's the ultimate lesson in life. Do what you want with your money and don't give a crap what anyone else thinks. Who cares if you change your mind on a pinball purchase? You think you think I'm really going to like feel bad that like, oh, he's hypocritical. He now didn't take the game that he said he would. I don't care. It's my money. It's my $12,500. But as of today, I am still 100% in on a collector's edition of Willy Wonka. All right. Let's go to another note on my email. Let's see. Adam Greener said, let's see, holy S-H-I-T, the mother of all rants. All right, I think he, I think I read this one before. Let me go over to my uh, Gmail because that's also where I want to read feedback. Canadapinball at gmail.com. 
All right, I got an email from Brian. Why is Pinside afraid of the internet? In a typical behavior, I get downvotes for suggesting internet connectivity would hopefully be coming soon. I don't know why all the old pinball guys are so afraid of the internet. They are on an online forum, but yet somehow don't like the idea of being connected online. Anytime you have new fresh ideas, they get shot down and downvotes. It seems these pinside babies don't want any advancement of the hobby. What's your take on the internet connectivity and pinball? It would be an interesting episode. Well, I think I already discussed it, um, Brian. And I think, look, here's the deal. It's like until people see it work, I can understand why people are skeptical. And that's all I'm going to say. I got an email from Ben Crane, episode 345. Chris, just listen to your episode on Deep Root. Uh, Through some glitch in technology right after it, it went to episode 182, Fast Thoughts on Deep Root from November of 2017. It's been a year and a half and we keep hearing the same hype and have yet to see anything of substance from Deep Root. I hope they come up with something we want to buy, but I have to admit, every day that passes, this seems like another company led by an egomaniac, IG Highway Dutch Pinball and Skit B, that likes to boast more than they like to build. There are a lot of cool games we can play now. Let's put Deep Root on the shelf until they have something to sell. Ben Crane. Well, Ben, do I think Deep Root is run by an egomaniac? And do I think that every day that goes by is more hot air? Here's my take on this thing. We all need to simmer down a little bit. Deep Root has asked nobody for money. Okay, Deep Root has asked nobody to bump their thread up. It's not like Robert is going in there every day and like shilling his game or boasting. He's not doing anything. He's responding to the community's behavior. Yes, they did a panel discussion at Expo. They did a panel discussion at Comic-Con, but that's about it. They've talked a couple times where they dropped some bold claims out into the world. And then what? Then they went away. Then they did nothing. Then they went silent. Personally, I think it's pretty genius marketing to do it that way. Yes, are people giving them credit for doing absolutely nothing and showing absolutely nothing? Absolutely, but that's genius marketing. Think about it. They're getting an A on a test they haven't even taken yet. They haven't even handed it in, and everyone's like, well, Deep Root's going to take over. And all this silence and all this mystery, it's just adding to their prestige in a weird way. And it's not Robert doing it. It's the community doing it. And I think the underlying cause of that, why is it happening? You know, sometimes we don't ask why enough. We don't get philosophical enough on this hobby. You know, I've listened to all these other podcasts and it's like everyone's just looking at the surface of this stuff. Ask yourself why. Why are people attributing this to Deep Root? And I think the underlying reason why it's happening is because there's a longing for pinball to be much better than it is. That people are truly not really happy and satisfied with the games they're getting. They don't really know how to articulate that. They don't wanna like be negative Nancy's, but they really are hoping for more. And and when you hope for more, um, you start to attribute prematurely success to companies that are promising you more. I've seen Robert compared to Elon Musk, which is also just kind of absolutely comical at this point. But where I do think they're similar is they both talk a big game 
Uh, they both often probably don't understand all the elements that will go into bringing that big game to fruition. It's like when Musk talks about his cars and then he doesn't really have a means of production to get people the cars in time. And so he talks, 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 stock price goes up, uh, but ultimately the consumer experience with the company is not the best. And, and then the stock plummets because they can't get production ready. Um, but it's a lot of it's hype. But you need that also. You know, don't be fooled, you know, thinking that you don't need a hype man at the top who knows how to do it right. You know, whenever I see like Jersey Jack, I'm always like, Jack, man, who's the hype man of this company? You know, they got like Eric on a stream or Eric on a podcast talking about Wonka. And like Eric is an engineer and he should be engineering. But, you know, Eric should not be the spokesperson for the company. He doesn't have the energy level and he's not a hype man. And I think he'd be the first to agree with that. But yet he's out there. You know, there's a reason why when you see a movie, they don't have like the sound engineer being who's representing the film. They have the director and the, and the actors because the actors are hype people. And I think these pinball companies are still just like letting anyone take the mic and talk on behalf of the company. And I do think Robert has done a good job and like, you know, not saying much, but when they do say much, they're hyping it up. What else would, you know, how else should they do it? Now, look, the ultimate thing is now they have to deliver. They've, they've talked a big game. They have to deliver. And they know this. There's got to be a deep root, I, I think, a sign on the wall that says, like, we need the reality and the hype to equal themselves or, or we're going to be the laughing stock of the pinball industry. All right. And also, he has a huge team. So this isn't like Skit B. This guy was building Predator in his mom's kitchen. I mean, let, let's be real here. The deep Root's a real company. All right. You got an email from Jeff S. about Deep Root. Chris, that was a great show. It made me start thinking about Deep Root, the possibilities of things they could do. In uh, Can you ask Robert these business-related questions? Will Deep Root's designs melt mines? Will Deep Root be able to offer things machines for less than $5,000? Will Deep Root's model be profitable so they will still be around in five years? First of all, Jeff, like, he's not going to answer that question. Like, what kind of question is that? That's like that's like if someone just gets into a relationship. Hey, can you ask Chris? Hey, are you still gonna be having sex with this girl in five years? Do you think you will be? I mean, come on, Jeff. All right, he goes on to say, let's say they have burned through nine million through 2018 and are currently expected to burn through another nine million this year. That is starting off manufacturing already being 18 million in the hole. How does Deep Root earn that back and have enough sales so that it is profitable? Are they planning to lay off 30 people at the end of 2019 to get costs manageable? Well, let me stop there, Jeff. Here's what I think they're doing. They're in, see, this is the thing. People are being very myopic. It, it, it's easy to be myopic when you just look at Pinside and you look at the two panel discussions. Robert Mueller's deep root entertainment entity that he's building is bigger than just pinball. And that's what I, I think people don't understand. Now, this is not me saying it's going to work. I'm just saying what his strategy is. That 9 million or 8 million or 17 million, whatever it is, that is creating Deep Root Studios. And that money is being used to hire all those people to create this entire like entertainment company. It's an entertainment company. Pinball is just one part of it. And I think that's what people don't get. This isn't like 17 million only on a one pinball machine that he needs to sell these pinball games to make money back. He is going to put his entertainment company out in the world and release other things. So let me give you an example. What if there's a Raza mobile phone game that they create and that it's, you know, and he's got these, you know, very skilled mobile game creators on board. 
there will be other revenue streams that they are planning on that are probably much higher profit margins than pinball that will help the company. You know, it's like when Microsoft made Xbox, yeah, they lost money on Xbox, but they made so much money on their software that they, you know, it balanced it out. I think that's what they're going for. It's the same way Chicago Gaming Company can stay in business the way they stay in business because pinball is not the only thing they make. They make so much other stuff in the op, in the in the entertainment industry, you know, in the coin op business. And so, you know, companies that only make pinball, if you only make pinball and you spend a lot of money and not a lot of people buy your pinball machine, then yes, I would be worried the company would go under. You know, a company like AP always has me scratching my head because if they don't sell a lot, how can they be planning game five? And the, you know, we know they're 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 financed by Davos, you know, you know, Davos and his father, whoever is financing that company. That's who's pumping their money in. Now, look, they could do that as long as they want to do that. They might lose a lot of millions of dollars if they never sell a lot of games. But they're they, but 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 again, that company is offset by the chip company like Amatron or whatever the name is. That's where the money's coming from. So if Amatron is making $26 million a year and they, you know, they put a million of that into the pinball venture, you see what I'm saying? There's still a lot more money being made elsewhere that is driving the organization. Uh, it is only when you're only all in on pinball that your games have to sell. You know, Stern only makes pinball games. And that's why Stern has to do what they have to do to be profitable. All right. All right. He closes out this email by saying, you asked if we were happy with games we are getting or wanted something else. I am happy and I like what I've seen the past few years. No game has it all, but who cares? If you can play multiple multiple games that are fun and exciting, I'd filter these from the total pool for consideration. MMR. Attack from Mars Remake, Monster Bash Remake, Houdini, Alien, Big Lebowski, Batman. Right, he lists a bunch of games. Sure, I love mechanical action and welcome uh, a chance to see and play DR's offerings. But as of now, I'm having loads of fun with what's available in the world. Finally, let me bring up your wager on Alien and the Big Lebowski announcements. Do you have some consequences to be addressed? Well, Jeff, first of all, I don't, those two rumors, they were, I don't know what's happening with them. You know where they came from. They were bad. It was, it was, I feel like it was fake news that I reported on and we've already addressed that we're not going to do it like that moving forward. And look, I'm glad you're having fun. You should be having fun. You guys should be having the time of your lives playing these pinball machines. Why would you buy a pinball machine if it wasn't fun? That, that is definitely the, the par for the course. Uh, I, I, I would really hate it if I got an email that said, hey, Chris, I bought like these five machines over the last like few years and I'm not having any fun. If you can't have fun playing pinball, uh, then then you probably, you know, need help in other areas of your life. They're all fun. Let's not let's not pretend for a minute that these toys, you know, they, they like they're, they're not designed to annoy us. They're not designed to frustrate us. They're not designed to like, you know, bankrupt us. They're designed to just have to, to give you some fun for a few minutes or a few hours, depending on how long you have to play it. We we sometimes blow this damn box of lights up to being something far more than it is, far more than it ever was intended to be. It should just be fun. Now, what's not fun and where the drama comes in is we all have different tastes. And so if I like one game and you don't, we could either respect our differences or we could argue it out on pin side. Uh, but for the most part, 
All these games are providing a level of fun. Now, the reason why this podcast exists and gets so many people listening is I don't think all the games are worth what you're paying for. Now, I, I, again, I always say like most of them are fun, but you're not getting your values worth on some of these games. And that is the little dirty secret of this industry that the other the manufacturers don't want you to hear. They don't want you to hear that. They want you to focus on the fact that Black Knight uh, for $9,000 only costs them $500 more to make probably than Black Knight for $5,000. They don't want you to look at that and say, wait a minute, why isn't it twice the game if it's twice the price? They don't want you to ask that. That's the thing. That's why Canada's Spinball Podcast exists. All right, everybody, go see the Avengers on opening weekend. It's been a pleasure sitting down and talking to you. Uh, this has been episode 346. I will get some guests on soon, but I do think this podcast is probably a little bit of a breath of fresh air as we continue to play singles tennis. Uh, there's so many good other podcasts with co-hosts interviewing people all the time. More and more pinball podcasts are coming up. There's pinball podcasts now about tournament play. That's great. I should do a pinball. I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do a Canada's pinball podcast where I give tournament tips. My version of tournament tips. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be super funny. I'll just do like a little special 10-minute show. Canada Pinball Podcast training you on how to get ready for pinball tournaments. I I, I think you're really gonna love that kind of advice I give. Have a great day, everyone. Yeah.